Hi, I'm Bee Heller, your host of Pioneer Stories, a podcast series in which I interview business founders and leaders who are pioneering new ways of working and management practices, all with the aim of creating inspiring company cultures. Today, I'm interviewing Simon Hill, founder and CEO of Wazoku. Wazoku builds idea management software, and as you might expect, ideas are central to the way things work at the company. Enabling people to share and act on their ideas has driven the evolution of Wazoku's culture. And it's not just about having ideas, it's about running with them, right? So we let people go forward and do these things, and people have built new products offerings, new service offerings, things that have generated revenue for the business completely off their own back because they've got the permission to do so. Pioneer Stories is a podcast for business founders and people leaders who are striving to make their own workplaces deliver for their people and who want their culture to be a source of strength that's likely to drive the future growth of their company. I interview business founders and people leaders we can all learn something from. I try to get past the conceptual ideas and bring the day-to-day habits and practices these businesses use to create and sustain their cultures. I'll bring you one pioneer each episode, so tune in each week for 30 minutes of wisdom and practical ideas for you to test in your own organisation. I'm Simon Hill and I'm the CEO and founder of Wazoku. Um, In terms of me personally, so my background is um, uh, at a university I became a strategy consultant working at Deloitte and then PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, and then I escaped the world of, of consulting in 2007, joined one of the first people to join a startup business called Huddle, uh, which is a project management and document management business uh, in, in 2007. I spent a few years there really kind of learning and getting a bit addicted to the world of early stage disruptive business, the, the kind of work hard, play hard deep cultural elements that come with that and the kind of never-ending need to just get your hands in and solve problems on a day-to-day basis. It was a, a great team and a great experience that, that kind of stood me instead. And I'd always known that I intended at some point in time to, to start my own thing. I never quite knew what that was going to be. But having stepped away from Huddle in uh, 2011, which was at a time that we we basically pivoted the business model heavily from a freemium to a, a kind of pure enterprise proposition. It made sense for me and a few others at that time to step away from Huddle, and I essentially just committed to some people then. It was around Christmas time 2011, I think, that uh, a few of us don't go get a job yet. I've got a, I'll come back with a business idea. I just don't know what it is yet, and spent the kind of Christmas and early part of the, that next year just mulling over a few ideas. And, you know, from there was the Wazoku idea born. Why Wazoku and why that business idea? I saw this amazing opportunity with this team that I had that was suddenly in the marketplace rather than us scrambling off to do something different each, to do something that was going to be value add. I actually started a number of different plates spinning at that point in time. You know, we had a few ideas and we weren't sure which of them we wanted to take forward. And, and actually, most of them started to spin quite fast and look quite good, and so we had to pick our poison. The reason that I liked Wazoku and uh, the heart and soul of what the Wazoku business does, it's, uh, it's a Swahili word, it means great idea. And we are a business very much built around the idea of ideas. So I believe that everything starts with an idea, and yet we've never really put robust process around the way that we, as organizations, seek, capture, 
prioritize, evaluate, reward, recognize, measure these little acorns that are ideas. You know, we've invested lots in, in other processes in the organization, but we've failed to really bring structure to the unstructured process of innovation and ideas collectively, whether we're small businesses or large businesses. So that's what that's the problem that was OQ set out to try and solve for organizations of all shapes and sizes. Did you have an idea of the kind of culture you wanted to create as the business grew? As a founder, or certainly as, as my type of founder, I think that you know the business we were building was always going to rely very much on the people that we were bringing in and the ethos that we put behind that kind of talent piece to what we were doing. But equally, you know, we're a software company that without people would be nothing, right? You know, there are some software businesses that don't really need people either side of their processes. For me, it's a two-sided marketplace. I need people that have got problems and I need people that have got solutions or ideas to bring those things together. So we're very, very human-centric in the ways that we work as an organization. And we've always used our own products extensively inside our own business to give a voice and a democratized approach to the way that we evolve as a company, just like we do with the customers that we work with on a day-to-day basis. So we wanted to be very true to the messaging that we were giving to our customers from a very early stage, even though quite candidly, we didn't really know what all that messaging was. It wasn't like I was a true expert in innovation at that point in time. We've learned it over the years and become brilliant at it now if I do say so but we were learning as we went and very much therefore practicing what we were preaching was important because it's also how we learned yeah I mean that lean and agile mindset I think has become very dominant in the software world I'd be interested in if there's been a point in time in your growth where you've had to start balancing the amount of time you are innovating, developing, focused on kind of the what next versus focused on executing the what you've promised and sold already uh, and and how you keep those two sides in, in balance in the business. So I think it's a perennial challenge. And I think that, you know, that ties back to culture to a certain extent as well. You know, we're as a founder, I'm the ideas person, which is a strength and a weakness for the business. And so part of my responsibility, knowing that was to augment around me people that can keep me in check in terms of that that balance as well you know I'm I'm great at throwing new things into the business and the business needs to manage me to make sure that we've got a way of handling those as we go forward that said we're you know we we sell the idea of ideas and the ability to manage a portfolio of those and to understand what that mix might be and as a disruptive business in the innovation space I think it's important for us to demonstrate a high cadence in the things that we are doing as an organization. And so for us, whether that's organic or inorganic, and you know, we, we recently just, just made a seismic shift in our sector by acquiring another business, which brings its own level of, of, of innovation and change to an emerging sector, you know, we constantly keep trying to push the boundaries and be recognized as such. It gets harder though, right? You know, the point is that you build more scale into your proposition you bring customers on board who are not as early stage they don't think they're buying into as early stage an idea as they as they once were and so everything changes and i think there are kind of pivotal moments that can be sometimes aligned to the size of the workforce that you have but also the the version of your product or the nature of the clients that you're bringing in and for me i think one of the most important bits as a commercial founder was when i stopped selling directly 
and when I enabled my teams to do so, right? I think that's a point in time where you have to understand that the companies you're working with are not, they're not buying a founder-led business necessarily anymore and they expect more from you as a result, which ups the quality, it ups the need for manpower, it ups the need for a whole heap of other things as you go and risks slowing down the pace of innovation, which we still try and keep as, as, as high as we possibly can. Okay, I want to come back to that because I think that's really interesting to explore. Before we do that, is there a moment in the last, uh, since 2011, so nine, nine years since you founded the business? Yeah, roughly, yeah. Is there a moment in that last nine years that you would pinpoint and say, that was the proudest moment in <laughs> my journey? Um, it's a good question. And it also doesn't, it doesn't feel like nine years either, right? It sort of went by in the blink of an eye, which is, you know, I... I have two small kids and that's somewhat how I anchor myself in how much time has passed by because otherwise it just it just flies. I think there are two there are two periods in all of that. So we kind of launched the product that we have today first out to market in 2014 and we brought the the BBC on board as an initial pilot clients for that enterprise kit that we were that we were selling out. That was a pivotal moment for the business and I think without without that we may not be here today. That first real enterprise sell out to market with a big client like that who was a you know was a blue chip client that was very marketable for us was huge and you know it led to more investments it led to more customers it led to a lot of learning from us as well as a business and quite a lot of of sleepless nights over the course of the subsequent period of time but that's probably the you know that was the one that meant that we had a company really the next one of those, the seismic shift that I'm really proud of is, you know, I think the last quarter has been one of those moments. You know, it's, it's not always the case when you, uh, you've been doing this for so long. You know, no one thinks when they start that 10 years down the line, you'll still be, you'll still be there and, you know, scaling and learning and doing all of these things. But for me, we just delivered double our best ever quarter in the middle of a pandemic. You know, we, we, we were virtualized anyway as a team, even though we had an office, it was easy to work, work from anywhere. But um, to do that and to have a team performing as it is, whilst acquiring a business, whilst launching into a couple of new markets, and also still delivering those sales that, you know, when we sat down in March and I was asked by my board to, to, you know, do we keep scaling or do we take our foot off the accelerator? And I told them that Amazon was out of magic eight balls and I couldn't know, so let's just keep going. It was great to see the reward off the back of that. And I think that we... You know, we took a really bold move as a small company, bought a US business, which doesn't happen very often for a UK company to do that. And I think will set us up for for real growth going forward. And it's probably the boldest thing I've done since I just started a company. Yeah, absolutely. During that time then, with these different key milestones that have been you know, signifiers of, of the business's success or step change into the next part of, of the journey... From a people perspective, what have been the biggest challenges that you've faced as you've grown? So if I look all the way back, I mean, I, you know, I'm a non-technologist. I, I can't write code. I can't read code. I don't know anything about code, really. Yeah, I run a software business. So hiring those first people and making decisions about what our product was going to be, other than, a, you know, some very badly drawn sketches on a whiteboard, was pretty tough, right? You know, you're thinking about, well, what kind of business do I want to have and everything else? And then you're trying to interview developers who are, you know, it's a very different thing. And you're, and you're also 
not really sure what you're telling them because you don't know what you're building in yet, right? And so those early conversations still make me smile. You know, I remember sitting around coffee shops in London, pre having an office, interviewing people and just feeling like, you know, I was never going to get to the bottom of that because I just didn't feel like we, we even knew what we were supposed to be asking at that point in time. You know, we like to test people on the job, see whether they thought we, they would fit with the type of culture and the type of ways of working that we had. And we, you know, sometimes we disastrously got it wrong and other times we didn't, it wasn't necessarily disastrously, but I had people that didn't even last a week because they just couldn't handle the nature of work inside a high growth organization. So I think, you know, hiring is the best you can and taking those risks, but being prepared to realize that they are risks and you may not get it right and being prepared to make quick decisions when it's obviously not right is something that we've we've done quite well over the years. I'm not sure it's something to be proud of because you know, you're bringing real people into your business and not always necessarily keeping them. But actually from tenure across the board, you know, we've got a number of people that have still been with us from those very early days. You know, people that came in as apprentices or interns because we couldn't really afford to give them any more money to do anything, you know, for, from a real job and have now grown up to be team leaders and you know stayed with us through thick and thin of an organization i think is testament to the fact that we've stayed true to some cultural core at the heart of what the business is all about that keeps evolving but you know but it's sort of sort of always there yeah and i think it's interesting listening to you talk about things keep evolving well actually that is part of your nature in terms of what you're selling and sort of practicing what you preach, if you like, as a, as a business. The culture probably needs to feel a bit unsettled sort of all the time because you are constantly trying to adapt to uh, what it is you're evolving into. And some people love that and, and some people will not. Yeah, I think also, you know, we're, it's quite a geeky place, right? Not in the maybe classic terms of, of the word geek, but, you know, it kind of is like a big extended family and that, that works well. And I don't think that's un- unique to us, but I do think that the way we go about it is fairly unique to us. And like any set of friends or family, you know, some people are going to find that bloody weird and some people are going to and like it and some people are going to find it bloody weird and not like it because it's definitely weird, right? And that's kind of what we're what we're all about. Like if it was ordered and structured, we'd be a very different business. And that's not to say we don't have process and don't know what we're doing, but it's, you know, it's it's part of the nature of of an innovation and an idea-centric business. We encourage ideas, we encourage people to try things. We're very happy to accept the fact that we still nine years in don't know lots of things. And therefore there's every chance that the 23-year-old who's just joined me from university has got as good a chance of having the right idea as me. And so, you know, let's let's practice and preach that as much as we possibly can. But I'm interested, are there things that you do that you think help to create this environment where people can contribute their ideas and not have that feeling of it won't be listened to or it's a bad idea or... I think this goes back to the heart and soul of what we do as a company with our clients, right? So we try and drink our own our champagne or our own methodology and all of this right at the heart and soul of everything does and on day one of, a, of people coming into this business they kind of introduced to our internal platform which is our own product that we sell to, to customers which is very much a, a democratized space for ideas and encouraging people to bring any and all of those the way that we evolve our products is fed to us by our customers on the one side 
and our internal resources who are speaking to all forms of different people, right? The customers we have today, the prospects, the competitors, whatever. And we're constantly capturing those ideas and those are fed through a process that the product team use and really embrace in everything, right? So that's one key part of it is that the way we build our own products is extremely democratized and ideas led. And that feeds into you know, the kind of year-end things that we do. Lots of things at Wazoku have kind of a Wazoku-type theme to them. So we have, like, the annual Wazzies, which are our rewards thing that we do. And that recognizes lots of things, but lots of them are the kind of ideas, right, that kind of come through the platform. And not just the the biggest ones, but some of the wackier ones as well, because we want to encourage people to to think a little bit differently. But I think that ideas live at the heart and soul of our business. I don't think we get it all perfect either, but it's certainly as flat an organization as I can possibly create. I don't really have a desk. I kind of plant myself next to various people when we're in an office, you know, it's a bit different now, but generally I try and float around the business. Anybody can put 30 minutes in my diary and I'll take them for lunch or for a coffee or just for a chat. I think that very open way of working that encourages that feedback or that understanding is central to the business that we've tried to build and the one that we want our customers to build. Yeah. That's the piece that I think is important. And it's not just about having ideas, it's about running with them, right? So we let people go forward and do these things. And you know, people have built new products offerings, new service offerings, things that have generated revenue for the business completely off their own back because they've got the permission to do so that have significantly enhanced the business and the customer experience without needing to go up to the top and then back down and figure it all out and get on with it. And so for me, all those things are the things that I'm most proud of as we kind of go forward. Yeah, I totally agree with your comment about it being the myriad of small things that really make a culture. And if it if it wasn't, if it was just the one or two big things that made a big splash and a big difference, then everybody would be doing them because they'd be really easy to lift and copy and and put into your, into another business but actually it's incredibly difficult to copy that sense of constantly generating ideas you know they're heard you can run with them that all those little things just nobody else can look at you and go well we should just do that because you can't copy that um it, it sort of breeds itself is there anything that stands out as having been particularly successful in terms of a people management practice outside of that innovation ground up approach? I think one of the things that I'm quite proud of us having done is, and we try and stick to this ethos now, but again, it's, it's tricky as you get to a certain size, is to recognize that there are not really experts out there for what we do, right? New business, new sector, new, new, new means that you know, I can go and hire grey-haired experience, however you want to talk about it, but they're not going to come in with a significant amount of stuff that's particularly relevant until you get to a certain point. When you need process and you need someone to help you unpick, that's possibly where you start to think about those things. And that's why I say what, what, what we need to think going forward. But looking backwards, and then we realised that quite early, and it was somewhat dictated by how deep our pockets weren't and, and everything else. But actually, it was more underpinned by the experiences I'd had in consulting and this real belief that there were high potential, smart people that could come in who were quite willing to get their, roll their sleeves up and get their hands dirty, but very eager to learn about what they were doing. And we were all learning, right? It didn't matter whether it was me or anybody else. And we managed to grow a number of those people. So lots of them, as I explained earlier, came in as 
interns or apprentices or very junior salespeople or whatever, but have stayed with the business. And some of those people now are you know, relatively senior positions in the organization and have really grown. Others have left and gone on to run their own companies or take senior positions somewhere else. And I feel like, and they've done that quite amicably in many cases, to kind of understand that we gave them growth and we gave them opportunities when they didn't have a clue what their career was going to look like when they first came in, nor what they were really joining. And so for me, that is that is something that's very much a core part of who we are. Right? People grow within our organization. We allow them to grow. We try and encourage personal development on the job. And as you grow a bit more augmented around all of it, and by the time you leave, you'll have a really, really strong understanding of something that, that very few people do in terms of the, the enterprise sell, the end-to-end innovation journey. And that's extremely powerful for these people out in the world, whether it's with me or not as they, as they go forward. And it's very rounded the way we go about it because we're so open as a business. It's not you just become a good salesperson in this. You will start to understand this end-to-end to equip you beyond Wazoku life, which you know will come around for whoever you are in that way of thinking. What do you envision Wazoku to be like as a place to work in three years' time? The reality is the culture will be different in three years' time. Hopefully that's, you know, it's still as strong and good as it is today, but it will be different. And it's different today than it was three years ago as well, because as I said earlier, it, it keeps evolving. A few years ago, we went from a single office in London to uh, an office in Bristol. We then opened a small satellite office in Copenhagen. All of those come with their cultural challenges and you end up with subcultures forming and we try and bring people together as often as we can. The shame of the current scenario we find ourselves in is that we can't do that as much. I feel like we've, you know, we've just had one of those quarters where you would love to get everyone together and celebrate it. That feels like this cultural void that's suddenly been left behind and how you manage around that in the thing we're in right now is almost more a question for me than what we look like in three years. Because if it stays like this, and I don't know what it's going to look like, that I think all businesses are going to face real challenges in how they and how staff remain a part of this thing that you were, right? For whatever the strength of going into an office is or isn't, it's it's kind of essential to the culture of a business if that's where it was founded against to start with. You know, I know many virtual businesses would say that's not true, but if that's where it began, then you've got to kind of rethink that in a world of distributed virtualization. So that's that's a kind of caveat to saying I don't really know because I don't know how long the current status quo will go on for. And if we can't all get together as a business regularly and come together like that, then it, you know, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for us as a, as a business to maintain the kind of work hard, play hard, entrepreneurial culture that, that comes with running a high growth startup in a big, in a global city with a multinational client base, with a multinational office base that can never get together. However, I hope that we keep as much of the open, transparent, flat, uh, hierarchical, maybe not less, but minimized um, ways of working as a business and that I can stay as close to the core business as, as, as it allows, uh, which I think is key to all of this, right? You know, I think if you're going to, you're still founder led and even if, or as we get bigger and bigger, it's important, I think, to keep a piece of that DNA right at the heart of what we do. So I hope it's not vastly different, but I suspect it will be quite a bit different than we are today. But as long as ideas still kind of permeate and that we're still as agile as you can be as you keep growing, then for me, that's the, 
that's the kind of je ne sais quoi of this, you know, this kind of quirky, geeky family that we've put together. And I, that's exactly what I was going to say, which is, if anybody's got a chance of navigating what the next few months and years looks like, I would say a company that by default tries to surface the ideas of everybody in the business and pursue those things that, you know, are waiting for a single founder, CEO to take those decisions for everyone. So I think you're, you're well set up to, to find the path that none of us really know the answer for at the moment. And then finally, what would you like employees to be saying about Wazoku in three years' time? I really hope that we stay a place that people find fun to work at. You know, like it is, it's a work hard and in normal times play hard environment. And I hope that that kind of stays culturally and, 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 re- and really true to people that work there, that it's still a, a fun place to be as an organization. And if we can achieve that, then, you know, I think good results come out of that environment. It's a place that people enjoy getting up to come to work at. It's a place they feel proud of the things that we are doing for our customers, that they see a piece of technology that's making a real difference. And I, you know, I've had some people start during the pandemic who've never been into the office, don't really know it. And I was, you know, I've been talking to them and I get that feedback from them that this, you know, they really feel that this is a place that a business that's making a difference that really cares about the thing that it builds and that you know we're trying to work really hard to drive positive change and i hope that that's exactly what people are still saying in three years time if you've enjoyed this show please leave a review wherever you found this podcast it helps other people find us and to spread these ideas If you end up testing any of the ideas shared in this show in your own organisation, please tell us about it at getintouchatthepioneers.co.uk. We love to hear your stories. Until next time, thanks for listening.